Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 131 on the com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, you are back for episode 131. We are doing one of our double headers. Uh, so we just finished recording 130 that what would have went out for people last week listening. But we are doing it within like a 10 minute break of each other. So I'm not going to ask you what you're up to for your week. But I'm going to ask you something that I forgot to ask you at the start of the last episode. Um, today I woke up, rolled out of bed and I'm in my new place and stuff. So we've still got loads of boxes unpacking in that here and we're trying not to get too stressed with that but I went on my phone checked my emails obviously as a distraction to get away from the reality and I saw my emails and there was one like buy a piece of me in Montreal and then like I don't know how quick the next email came you know the, the two emails came through at the same time and I could literally see the subject line sorry sold out Montreal so tell us what happened and how quick all that happened because it must have just been a few hours that you sold 40% of yourself or whatever in your upcoming Montreal adventure. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was really blessed to get to sell out and I think it, it couldn't have been more than an hour <laughs> uh, to sell most of my package and the markup was a little higher than normal but I stood by it because if I didn't have an 80, 100% ROI in that tournament, I, I would be flabbergasted because it's uh, the typical Montreal player is not as good as the typical Vegas player. Not, not for any bad reason, just because the typical player in Montreal hasn't played as much as the Vegas player. And I, th- I have a lot of experience in the field. I, I do... I do have a final table in Montreal this very year. So I set the markup at 1.4, which is certainly higher than normal. But to, it, to give you an idea of how big this is going to be the biggest tournament in Canadian history, they're running, they've been running qualifiers for nine months on party poker. Many of these people got in for $1. The general play in Canada not Canada I don't know about Montreal or excuse me about Toronto or anything but the there's a lot of people just having fun at this card room but if this were a 5k in Vegas the markup 
I don't, I don't think I'd go above 1.2, 1.25, 1.3 if I'm having a great year. Uh, but I, I stood by that for Montreal, and everybody else did as well. So I really appreciate that. And, yeah, so Dennis and I are going to be uh, – we're going to be in a little hotel across the street there, and hopefully this time we're not kicking five feet of snow off of his – uh, off of his car, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to get getting back to Canada and uh, playing some cards. I'm pretty excited. I I really like the people in Montreal too. They're very kind. They're really, really, really fun to play poker with. It's a real action. It it it's a great card room. It's a and they give you free food and stuff like that. Or if not free food, very cheap. Depending on whether you're in the tournament or the cash game, so yeah, I can't I can't wait to be out there. And uh, just since we we're not you know on one like what you've done this week, and I have to say we we just spoke ten minutes ago uh, for the other episode. Just with you going back to Montreal, you know this year how it's developing, you're you're staying back in the states and stuff. What are your plans for listeners? Because we we always usually get a question in. Um, about like what your plan is. Alex going to play the World Series? Is he going to you know do this and that? And you said you're going to be playing more live and stuff. What's your plans for the sort of the next few months of the year going in around the World Series time, etc. My plan for 2017 is travel as much as possible, see as much as possible, enjoy my life as much as possible, play poker as much as possible and create as much value in my students lives as humanly possible that is the long and the short of it the getting down to brass tacks we we had an american phrase last last episode that you hadn't heard when the rubber meets the road have you ever heard let's get down to brass tacks yeah yeah i've heard that one okay good okay but yeah by the way, for the first 24 years of my life, I thought there was a tax on brass. It, it took me a long time to figure out they actually meant tax, tax physical yeah. tax. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I I've noticed I have a lot of students who I really like as people, and they they're very generous, and they want me to. Every time I stay at their place, it it's been really fun, and I really like being in other people's places because they show you around the city or even if they can't you get to see how the people actually live it's not a sanitized it's not a it it isn't a sanitized version of the city it's an actual apartment or wherever when you stay at somebody's place in a different city at and i do really like that i want to get out and play more poker because there comes a point you have to show people you actually know what you're doing. You have to go out there. You've got to make those final tables. You have to focus. You have to remember what it's like for your students to be there for eight, ten hours a day and to hold that level of focus. If you can't do that, you really don't have any business teaching it. And that also helps me with them to really know what they're facing what problems uh, occur 
as far as playing Dynamite No Limit Hold'em in 2017. Mm-hmm. And also trying to do as much work with less students, the it, more focused lessons with less students. I don't want to be do, going through... I want to do better work, better consultations with my my very specific class, the talent coaching program. We have just 25 people. And yeah, that's, that, that's pretty much been the idea. Really, really just enjoying traveling these days, having fun, meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. There, there's something about traveling that they say you, you travel to travel or something. I read that recently. That's yeah. some quote by someone. And I get that, you know, because... That's interesting. I, I've done a ton of, like, traveling recently, but a lot of it was was work stuff. And I was luckily, you know, lucky enough I could take my fiancé last time for the second week. And it was like a holiday. And I, I spoke to Alex off-air before, like, when it's work like that, I mean, she saw herself. Some of the stuff I was doing, it wasn't a holiday. You know, it was like, this is work, like, physical moving boxes, packaging up boxes of literal old crap. That some, well, some people would consider it old crap. I call it treasure. Um, and uh, getting that, you know, back to the UK and stuff, and just feeling, like, stressed, you know, you've got lots of things to do in that. Whereas poker is your work, Alex, but to me poker is, you know, a hobby, a recreational, a game. But because I came from it by really, like, involving myself in a lot of years of my life in it as well. I, I don't think I would... I've never felt like that playing poker, which is a beautiful thing, because when it does come down to it, when you're... At, even myself, like how little... Like I played recently last week, but when you just start playing again, there's something about it that it is a game. You know, like, and you forget that, but, like, when you sit down, you're actually playing a game. So it, it's, it's fun, and it, we spoke about being present and stuff. I... I always feel present in a poker tournament, you know, because you're like, there's so much to look at, consider, and I chat to people. I mean, I was playing poker um, in my local casino, what night was it now? Sunday night, I think. Yeah, Sunday night. And um, we played, and there was lots of people there that I used to play with, and some of them hadn't played in years as well. And it was great seeing, like, old faces and, you know, chatting away to people. And at the table, I was speaking away and had a few guys I knew, so we were having great table chat. And at the break, this girl was like that to me, like, oh, I was really enjoying your stories at the table and stuff. And I was like, fuck, you know, I, I do rabbit on a bit. You know, like, what have I said or maybe you shouldn't have said it? Or, and she was like, oh, no, listen, that, I'm a bit quiet because, you know, like, this game is, you know, like, such and such. And it's like, just how lucky it is to even just play poker. You know, I don't root for a living, but to just go and play poker... So the thing about traveling and playing poker, I mean, Alex, you know yourself, like, you've done it for many years and stuff, and I know you had your problems on the tour that you said, you know, like, with distractions and things, but it is such a a privilege, really, isn't it? You know, it's like, to do that for a living. It's a huge privilege, and most of the distractions that I succumbed to on the tour were my own doing. I had a very bad attitude, which was I did need to seek help. And once I did do that, I found I really didn't have a taste for any of this stuff anymore. I, did, I didn't want to do the drinking. I didn't want uh, to 
chase certain types of women. That just wasn't my thing anymore. And it, it, it hasn't really been my thing since well, I was a teenager, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, was my heyday when it came to that. And once I got older, I started realizing this is, it is a game. It's one of the greatest jobs in the world. I, I used to hear professional athletes complain about their jobs constantly and think, what is wrong with them? They play a game for a living for tons of money. And then it occurred to me one day, hey, that's you, dude. You, uh, you complain all the time about something that people would love to do. And once I realized that, I started asking myself, what, what is it you really want out of life? And I found the answer wasn't, it wasn't money. It, it wasn't many of those things that guys want. It, it was freedom, as we discussed, but how, it's a full life. You don't want a fun life. A fun life, I imagine heroin addicts must have a fun life most of the time. <laughs> But when they run out of the drug, it's probably not too fun. But if hypothetically you could be on heroin yeah, all day, yeah, yeah, you don't want a life without stress. Again, that would be the heroin addict. Well, I, I know yeah. a guy now that's successful. He's a millionaire, and when he was younger, like teens, inches, actually into his late twenties, um, maybe even early thirties, he, t- he took drugs quite a lot. And I'm talking, you know, cocaine. He'd actually tried heroin and stuff like that, you know, everything, you name it. And he said to me, he's like, when we were speaking, he's like, no, I don't regret it. It's like, some of the best days of my life, like, the best memories I've got when I was on drugs for years, you know, it's like... Right. You know, so, like, but now he's like, doesn't touch anything, you know, but he, he doesn't, you know, pretend that he didn't have fun. That's why people do it. He's like, I had fun, I had a great time. <laughs> it's funny. It, it's... There's a phrase, I had better times when I was sober. I had more exciting times when I was high. Mm. And I don't, other than a few nights that were astoundingly epic, I don't really miss anything about my old life. Mm -hmm. And I don't even miss those days because there's so much variance. It's, It's, doing drugs is like, it is akin, it is not like, it is akin to moving all in every hand. There, there will be a day you double up six times in a row, and it's amazing. But generally, if you're plastered and behaving in a way that's unbecoming, you're going to get what's coming to you. But I think having a full life is what most people want. It, you're never going to not have problems. Everybody has problems. And Bill Gates probably has quite a few problems. And he's, well, hypothetically the richest man in the world. The one we usually identify as the richest person in the world. And if you can have good problems, problems for the things you really care about, whatever that is. And I think focusing on a full life is really where you're going to get the problems you can deal with that are good. And I think a full life to me is spending time with the people you care about. Uh, I do think it's 
for me, I'm really into creating things. So I, I do believe it's about creating things of value that help people. And the only way I can do that is by getting to know people, by traveling and talking with them and spending time where they spend time, enjoying what they enjoy, learning, a great deal of learning, reading. And poker mobilizes me. It's not the most money. It's not the easiest money, but it does mobilize me. And I get, if I want to spend a day reading books, I can arrange for that. If I want to travel, I can arrange for that. And that, that is why poker to me is, I love my job. I, I feel ashamed of how we started this show where I was very bitter. Um, <laughs> I was certainly going through some things and I was younger at that time. But when I think of the freedom I get to have and the full life I get to have these days, the people I've gotten... I've had the privilege of meeting and the game I've been able to play. There, There is something to be said for tournament poker. Even though maybe things have not gone my way a few times when I've gotten deep in tournaments, I have... I truly have no resentment over that now because who does get to play a game for a living? Who does get to go out there and know their life could change in a week? You did. In, in a week... <laughs> I'm sorry? You did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only me. I, only very, very few people get that opportunity. So you have, to, you have to do it if you have that opportunity because many people, smarter people than I am, don't have that opportunity because of what, whatever circumstance has come up in their life. And, and this can go for really all of us in first world countries we can sign up for Groupon and get coupons to get cheaper sushi and enjoy little outings to the city that other people don't get to in more impoverished nations being in Costa Rica really taught me how blessed we are in the United States I go to a bodega here in Queens and there is more products there's more health products there's more food products there's more fresh food than there are in 13 different stores in a five square mile radius in Costa Rica Mm -hmm. and Costa Rica is one of the wealthiest countries outside of the United States so if you're in a first world country I think we owe it to ourselves to use the resources that we can harness to make a life that we at least find rewarding, we at least find full. If having kids is not going to make you... The, the one I always... People always say, well, what about having kids? That's a, that, that limits so many things. It's so tough. It makes your life so hard between work and the kids. Well, this goes back to having a full life. Again, if you wanted to just be happy... Couldn't you have just done drugs all day? <laughs> like your buddy said, he had great times when he was doing drugs. I, I, I assume it didn't end well before he stopped. Uh, but is he, are you having a full life when you raise a child? Yes. Do you have a full life when you commit yourself to writing something of value? Yes. It, it may you, Will you possibly fail? Yeah. 
but it was a full life because you tried. You went for it. Whereas, well, even poker tournaments, I, well, I guess there's not really much of value. There's not much value in playing poker <laughs> for the rest of the world. I, but it feels as if it, to me, as somebody who has always wanted to escape the grid, as somebody who has always wanted to live life on my own terms, poker has given me a very full life. I, I've seen so many countries I never thought I would see. I've met so many people I would never have met had this game not paid for me to go there and do those things. So, yeah, it, it, life, life is amazing. And I'm going to, you guys hear me, if you guys hear me whining, call me on it. I have no right. I, I, <laughs> I really don't. It's, the stress is good stress. And that's what we should focus on. It's, I think the word is stress, E-U stress. Although many of my spell checkers don't catch it, according to Google, it's a real word. There's eustress and distress. And eustress is supposed to be, my test is two weeks out. I'm feeling a little anxious. Well, that anxiety is not necessarily a bad feeling. It is uncomfortable, but if it gets you to do what's necessary and it gives you a satisfied feeling and it makes you feel I'm living a full life, I'm doing the things I want to do, I am satisfied, I have faith in myself, I can go forward to what is more rewarding, that is a really good feeling. And God help you if you start killing that feeling by drinking or eating fatty foods that aren't good for you, smoking weed, or slamming heroin, as we were discussing earlier. Yeah, okay, let's get into the questions, Alex. Uh, I know we go, we're doing a double shift today, and um, we, we don't want to... Uh, put anyone off there, or turn anyone to heroin, with uh, mentioning it so so many times. Uh, we are not advocating drugs or experimenting with any substances like that. Uh, stay, stay away from drugs. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Um, yes. <laughs> Alex is like, yes, just like uh-huh. lying in some <laughs> yeah. queen's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> with paraphernalia yeah. scattered. I'm joking, of course. Um, okay, this uh, one. Yeah. Oh, you go, Alex. So you wait a second. Nothing. Go ahead. All right. Okay. Uh, this one is from Dominic McAvoy. I remember the name, and uh, he said at the start he doesn't been in touch for a while. I do remember he used to write quite regularly. Uh, hello, Barry. I haven't been in touch for a while, but still listening and being entertained every week. Uh, I have a question for Alex, if you can fit it in some time. Alex showed in his book when we are in the big blind, we can flat versus a two x open with a very wide range and play accordingly. In the book, we shove if we hit and folded if we miss. This was profitable. What if we face a 3x open from the button, small blind calls, and we are in the big blind with 15 big blinds? Should we call the extra two big blinds? And if we are deeper stuck, is it okay to call or better to fold? Thanks, Alex, and thanks, Barry. Thank you, Dom. And, uh... I really appreciate you listening to this show for so long. It's funny, in our last episode, we discussed when does the rubber meet the road. When, And I'm thinking, I just read this book by 
Gary V. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name because I'll butcher it. Vaynerchuk. Yeah, there you go. Wow, you even did it with the slight accent. Well done. <laughs> and he had that book, Crush It. And the book is 130 pages, and it's formatted very poorly, and much of the writing style grammatically leaves something to be desired and that book has probably sold one million (laughs) copies because it tells you something that we should know which is if you're doing something you really care about it shouldn't feel like work it should be a little stressful but again we're pursuing a full life the stress can be good and he points out that you're trying to establish connections and teach yourself something about something you really care about. And I'm thinking, Dom, that all the videos are out there on how to use Cardrunner ZV. You, you seem like a pretty bright guy from our correspondence. You, you, could, you could run this and see how it goes. I, I gave very simple situations in... Uh, in the myth of poker talent, you could take it even further and perhaps know something that the rest of us don't know. As far as a hard and fast rule, when there's one raise to 3x and one caller, my general my general feeling is 25x or lower. I, I will call if it's a suited connector. I will call if it's big card, big card, and I'm planning to check jam the flop. If it's 30x, if I have 30x there, I'll call with a suited gapper if I believe the players to not be extremely good. And if it's 35x or beyond that, and I'm still doing the big cards uh, with 30x, if it's 35x or beyond that, now we're getting into deeper stacks. And if we have a big card combination, we need to know a little bit about the person's turn and river tendencies. Which means that when we're playing live or we're playing on, if we're playing live, we need to pay attention to showdowns. If the guy's ever shown down one pair and he checked at some point during the hand, preferably the turn, we know are the flop. The person is a pot controller, so if they go bet, 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 that's a very polarized range, and I'll let you in on a little secret. People don't bluff nearly as much as they should, so they usually have it, and this can help you 35x or more, because if you have big cards and the person goes bet, bet, and looks like they're setting up for the river, and they're typically the type of person to roll back with one pair, and they, they seem very calm. You can engage them in conversation and get, get a feel as to where their pulse is. They seem very calm. You can say something on the turn, just cheeky, you know, nice bet there, uh, or some, something along those lines. Or you, you, can ask an, you can ask a question about their watch. If it's a, just anything to get them talking. And if they just seem very calm, then likely be, from what you know about their playing tendencies and then their low heart rate, they seem very comfortable. They probably have something. You can drop it there. This means your upside 
is still pretty decent, but your downside isn't that bad. Whereas if you're the type to get reverse dominated and lose all your chips, you have to be really careful there. At 35x or above, you also want to make sure you have a very good donk betting game. Dom, I believe you have my video dissecting the donk bet, my webinar. Uh, I'd review that for this particular spot. Everybody else, if you want to, if you want to review, I have an article called "Dissecting the Donk Bet." You can look it up on Google, and four, four words, and it'll open up a galaxy of options for you. Beyond forty forty five x, I'm I'm going with the suited two gappers. I'm going with many of the big cards. I even flat the weak aces because if somebody double barrels on an ace high board, nine times out of ten, they have a better ace. I can just fold. The, it, it's, if you think about the board a6-7 and you have king-jack offsuit and the turn's a two, usually your first tendency when the big blind checks to you is not, oh, I'm going to bet here and win this pot. You, you assume that even there, the guy could have 8-9 or the guy could have a 6 or have a 7. For whatever reason, most people naturally assume that the person has an ace and they're, they're just going to check it back. I, I'm not really sure why uh, the player base does think like that. There are some specific zones in player bases that don't necessarily play like that. Eastern Europe comes to mind and the Russians but most of the world does. So I, in those spots, I will flat a little bit more. And t to be clear, this is an inexact science. This is something that is going to take a little trial and error. What I see many people messing up on is not focusing on flop turn river strategies. If you were a chess master, you would have to think 22 moves ahead. In tournament poker, if you're checking the entire way, it's three. It's, it, it, it's flop, turn, river. It, it, it's three moves. And many times people call on the flop and the turn, the guy bets, and you see the guy twiddle his chips and stick out his draw and look at the board a little bit more and go, ah. And I'm sitting there in live poker going, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Didn't you know that was coming? at least some percentage of the time. And in many of my lessons, I ask the guy, what's your plan for flop, turn, and river? And the guy looks at the turn continuation bet, and it says 28%, which is very low. And the guy says, I'm going to fold because likely he has a hand when he bets the turn. And then we play the hand, and the guy bets the turn, and the guy calls one more time just to see what he's going to do on the river. And I, I, and I go, well, come on now. You don't... Well, why didn't we think ahead? And, and this is... Again, we want good problems to have, and a really good problem is how can I focus more when I play No Limit Hold'em? And I can guarantee you, you can get very... I was the worst poker player when I started. I had no tilt control. I, I was not good. In any batch of players that had any level of competency, I, I was in the back of the pack. 
I was a slow learner. I had to hear everything a few times, but I had fun. I was having fun. And when I was having fun, I kept getting better. And eventually, I, I surpassed many people who saw it as work, just work. And they had to suffer poker to have the lifestyle that they so deserved. And uh, I, if you have no expectation of this luxurious lifestyle from a card game, you have a chance of possibly achieving it. If this is a get-rich-quick scheme, it's not going to happen. And if it's a game where you're going to play by the seat of your pants, and which, by the way, this is a very fun way to play poker with your friends, just show up, have a few beers, and see what happens. But that that's not going to make you... A chess master. A chess master doesn't play many times by the seat of their pants when they enter. There's a lot of focus. There's a, and this is a, this is why very very focused hand history reviews, paying attention to the statistics or the tendencies, that can be a very good form of deliberate practice and getting plans in our head. If this guy doesn't bet that much on the turn, if he bets, I'm going to assume he has it. I fold. And then not calling an audible. Uh, I heard Carlos Welch talking to one of his students. Carlos is a terrific value, by the way. One of my understudies. If you want poker coaching and can't afford my obscene $200 an hour, he, uh, he was saying to a guy one day, here's the thing. In the NFL, there's a... There's about three quarterbacks who can call an audible. And for those of you who don't know how American football works, an audible means you show up and the leader of that team sees the defensive formation and he changes the play right before they do it. This is very delicate. This is very tough. There's only three guys in the NFL who can do it. Now, Carlos was saying to his student, not only are you not one of those three quarterbacks in the NFL, you are not in the NFL. You are not playing college football. You are not the starting quarterback on a high school team. You have no business going in there without a plan and then changing it. So I think it's really good, Dom, you're asking these questions. Now you've got to go in there and make a bit of a strategy. So what I would do is I... I'd go into my database and I would filter for, you can do all this raise size, 3X, one call, call, and see what happens. Or, and you can play around with Cardrunner's EV. That's all I ever did to get my expertise. It, it sure, as, sure as heck didn't come from my mathematical skills. That's the funny thing. People always say, oh, you're so good with Cardrunner's EV. I hate Cardrunner's EV. I have no idea what I'm doing with Cardrunner's EV. Do you know how many times I sent Cardrunner's EV calcs to the guy who created Cardrunner's EV and had him go, no, no, this is completely wrong. How many videos I've botched with Cardrunner's EV and I've had to completely redo because I just spoke 15 minutes about a conclusion that was much, much more inconclusive. And then, it, then I first realized, then I redo the whole thing and realized I was... Not right, but I was closer to right than I realized. 
as long as you are just having fun, you can do it. And it, it maybe not fun's the right word, but as long give yourself give yourself the opportunity to fail. Let yourself fail. Let yourself be confused. You don't have to be perfect all the time. Try to figure out one permeation, have a plan, execute when you get there, and know that's just one in your pocket. Good luck to you, Dom. Okay, and next question is from Rob. Uh, hello, my question is playing live MPTs. I played recently, and the tournament had a real mix. Some good recreational, some pros, some wannabe pros, and some people just there for a good time. Anyway, my question is how to how do you how do you handle the total recreational players who are just not very good, but they don't pretend to be. I raised jacks from cutoff and girl on button called and so did big blind. Flop came seven deuce queen rainbow beat big blind check. I see bet half pot, girl on button, shoved all in for around 12 big blinds more. I ended up calling. She had queen eight. Uh, I just didn't know what to do with her. Thought a huge hand or just random junk like ace high or a seven and thought I was, a, thought I was an aggressive player. Thoughts? I thank you for your question, by the way. I find what really held me back versus recreational players was entitlement. I had this expectation that because I was the superior poker player, I was supposed to just ragdoll them every time we played a pot, and that's absolutely not true. In fact, there's many times when I play a very particularly recreational game where I sit there and go, I don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't really like it because you could be bluffing me, but I, I have to let this one go. And in this situation, we didn't really know much uh, about the woman on the button, but uh, I think that what we could have done is said, okay, I'm going to get these people heads up. I am going to ruthlessly value that because generally recreational players like to call. When I think of a recreational player, I think of somebody that you can string along a bit. They're, they're playing poker as if it were another table game. Now, if you classify someone as loose aggressive, that's a far different animal. Then when you bet with the jacks there, you have to have a plan. Again, chess masters have to be however many moves ahead, 46. The woman had 12 big blinds left. <laughs> This is two moves. This is, uh, we could have thought of this before we see that. This is another thing. I'm not blaming you, by the way, because something in live poker is they do rush people a little bit. I've had a few dealers. If you ever watch me play live, I'm very fast when it comes to the situations I know I don't need time to think of. But I might sit there and contemplate that C-bet for 20, 30 seconds, and I get a lot of dealers going, on you, sir. On you, and I, I don't want to say anything rude, but... Yeah, <laughs> you, like, at, I fucking know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I one time went, no S, to a guy <laughs> who did it to me over and over again, which the floor did not care for. And, uh, yeah, anyway, 
and if you you decide, okay, I I try to, I notice the people who go into a chaotic environment. This is something uh, I think it was a conservative commentator said, but he he said whoever goes into a chaotic environment with a plan, a really well studied plan and keeps their head about themselves generally succeeds. And if the more I thought of that throughout the day, I was thinking a lot of military strategy seems like that, which is not to do a huge aside. What really worries me about Trump is it seems he sees something on TV reacts and then whoever goes, yay, good for you. He reacts to them. And then, Oh, is I think it was Ben Shapiro on CNN was saying something like this, or maybe it was on his podcast. He's a, if you want to hear, I, I do not consider myself a Republican, uh, but Ben Shapiro earned my admiration because he is a Republican. He really did not stand behind Trump, and I, I did not like Trump either. Uh, I, I, and he really broke it down. But yeah, if you're trying to find out what's really happening in a lot of the world, he doesn't really seem to have any affiliation. He calls balls and strikes. Uh, the way he puts it, and you know, it, obviously he has a Republican bent to it, so you have to take some things with a grain of salt, but I, I like hearing his view on a number of things, but anyway, if you come in with, I have this plan, and the plan in this case, the way I separate it is there's recreational player, recreational player in my mind is caller, and if a caller ever starts raising, oh boy, Run away! <laughs> that uh, he's probably got something because he this, and we can all remember the first home games we felt we played, where there was that guy who just always limped in and kind of wanted to be cheeky, and when he hit something, he he would do the oh shucks guys okay I guess I'm all in. Well maybe this woman wasn't talking, but if that's who she is, you know she's got the queen. If we designated her loose aggressive now we know she's shoving any seven we know maybe she saw eights nines maybe she has eights nines and tens and she said up oh, only one overcard here we go well versus this person we call but where we messed up is we i'll bet i'll bet dollars to donuts you time banked when you bet there and she moved all in and that if you were my student that's the problem it's not that you called the call is neither here nor there you you uh, you could just you depending on the number of hands you've seen which i assume were pretty limited you could justify it either way in my professional opinion when you don't know what to do you you should just fold because people are so chaotic these days and throw so many chips away uh with egregiously bad opens and flats of three bets i don't think there's a point to invest 10 plus big blinds in a dubious proposition, but that's my personal opinion. There's other people who would argue for a call there, and I think they have very valid points. What worries me is you, you, you can't always think, well, what if I bet flop, turn, and river, and then they raise me on the river and I've made a set, but the flush draw come in? It, obviously, you can't think of that. That's too many moves ahead, and I, I don't have a mind that can go that far. And neither do you, I assume. But what you can do, which I find will help you really develop as a no-limit hold'em player, 
is think three moves ahead. And three moves can be, if I bet here and I get called, what do I do on the turn? And with her, were you going to jam for value? Were you going to check call? Were you going to check give up? Uh, with the other person, if they called you, were you going to check back the turn? Were you going to bet for a little more value? What were you going to do? And two moves ahead would have been, if I bet and she jams, what do I do? And the first few times you're going to do this, I think you should do it online because you're going to be time making quite a bit. And some people don't like people, you know, eight people staring at them in a noisy card room with the the tick, 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 tick of clicking ships around them. That can be a little nerve wracking for a lot of people. So I, I don't find that to be the best place to practice this thinking of a few moves ahead. But if you were to do it online, I find that to be a great way to deliberately practice and to build that muscle and really develop your no limit hold'em game. So that, that, that's my general view on that. I know it's a bit of a non-answer because I can't give you whether that was a good call or not because I, I, I frankly find the question unanswerable. But I hope this does steer you in the right direction. It's great. It's just a reminder, isn't it? It's so easy to just, like you say, Lyle, act sometimes. And then when you're in walking home or going to the car, you go, why did I make that call? Why did I do that? You know, and it's just speed of thought or speed of action. You know, mm-hmm. you just do it. And you, it's in hindsight, in sitting in the car, breathing with, like you say, no pressure or not feeling like you need to make a move, you can think through it and go... So it's just like you say, practice and thinking ahead. Like it sounds funny, but people can even players that have played for years. Even my, well, I'm sure Alex probably. Well, actually, maybe not yourself because you've played so many. But I, I've done that so many times, made moves and said to you, like, fuck, I don't know why I did that. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, 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 oh, contraire, my friend. I, I, I've done that many. You never get rid of that. Yeah. Everybody makes mistakes. It's, uh, the, the question is, it, it, I believe in the military, I, I believe it's in the Marine Corps, their phrase is, they have two phrases I really like, because I, I find people get really good at something if it means someone dies, if they're wrong, and the two phrases they have is, uh, two is one and one is none, at, when you're checking over things, and... We do not rise to the occasion. We fall to the level of our training. So those people who look really calm in poker tournaments, yeah, they've seen the situations many times. And when I look calm, triple barrel bluffing, it's not because it's in me to triple barrel bluff. I used to shake constantly when I was bluffing. Everybody would make fun of me at home games. I, 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 had, a really, I had a real problem with my mind racing, but I trained a little harder than the next guy. That's it. And... I kept finding, hey, it's kind of fun showing up at a game, knowing a few things these guys don't know. Maybe I'll learn a couple other things before the next time. And if you multiply that over, let's see, I was 15 when I started playing, and I'm 29 now, so I guess four, 14 years. Yeah, it looks like I'm very calm at the poker table, but I get put in situations all the time where I go, dang it, <laughs> what? Uh, what did I just do, and why did... E- because I'm trying to think a few moves ahead, but if you've ever seen any of those really complex card runners EV trees that Rob Tinian puts together, or any some of those guys put together on YouTube, you can see like it, it, our ape styles put together 
on his training videos, you you can see it get wildly complex, and you, you you just can't think of everything at the time, and you will make mistakes. But if you can go home and say, "Now, why did I do that?" and if you find you changed up your plan or you didn't have a plan going in, if you didn't have a plan for the particular situation, you break it down and try to figure out what you could have done. If you did have a plan, you didn't follow it. It's a matter of execution. And then it, it becomes about performance. It, it, it becomes about, then I think that's when the materials of say Trisha Cardner are, are far more valuable because that's, uh, that's where you're erring. Okay. All right, Alex. Time for one more question. Yes, sir. Okay. Last one for today is from Dean. Hey, guys. Absolutely love the show. I've learned so much and I listen to them all the time, even at work. My question is about our minds when playing. When we are going through a bad run or bad stuff even in our lives, how do we regain focus and play well or get through the bad run when it seems all around us is going against us? Please. Well, I have quite a bit of experience with this in the last year. I, uh, it, it, mm, I could write an entire book on this. And actually, I probably should, since Amazon just lets you publish things. I think that the first thing you need to do is give yourself permission to feel down. Feeling down is okay. You don't want to get into this negative spiral of, oh, I'm so lucky in life. Why do I feel this way? Now I feel bad about feeling bad, which makes me feel bad. And you don't want to get into that spiral. The ancient Greeks thought depression was a natural course of life. I I think they thought 10% of the time you're supposed to be really happy and 10% of the time you're supposed to be really down. But if 80% of the time you're at this uh, mediocre contentment. That's about the best you can find. Where we were discussing in the last episode, maybe in this Facebook generation, that's not very easy because we're seeing this manicured version of everybody's life where it, it just looks as if everybody is playing guitar and making millions of dollars and all this stuff. It's okay to struggle, some of your best lessons are going to come from, from mistakes. And by the way, guys, you, if you listen to this every week, and thank you for listening to it every week, my man, you got to remember, I don't know if there's another poker player who's made as many mistakes as me. You want to talk about it. You want to talk about mistakes. Uh, divorce. Uh, the, drugs. Just problems. I, I've made all of them, and I, I've blown up. I, I, I was the chip leader with 23 left in uh, the PCA. I finished 17. There's things like that, and I, I've made mistakes. And the reason I think we can keep going on is if you look at this as an opportunity to learn, you, you do change the way you're thinking. It, it, it's akin to when people do affirmations. If you say, I'm going to make $10,000 this month, uh, by, or by June 1st, I'm going to make $10,000, and you work in sales, 
Yeah, it feels a little ridiculous, and I don't believe the universe lines up or any of those things, but I do believe your subconscious starts working on it, and it focuses you. So one thing that makes me very blessed when it comes to teaching you guys is I, w- I was going through it last year. I, I ballooned up to 250 pounds. Uh, I'm about six feet tall, so I think that's about 50 pounds more than I was supposed to be. Uh, wasn't divorce, wasn't doing that well. And uh, I decided, well, this is going to be an experiment. I gave myself permission to fail because I, I thought if anyone invests in you, you're fairly public about your life. People know what they're getting into. And what I found, the best way to get out of a downswing was, one, if you don't feel like playing, don't play. Just don't play. I, I, many people, uh, I know Jared Tendler was very critical in the mental game of poker of that. With all due respect, Jared Tendler is not a poker player. Okay? If you can't play, you can't play. Now, does that mean take the month off? No. He has a point in that you can't run from your problems forever. But if I am coming back to online poker very soon, but I have taken several months off because... It needed to happen. And uh, live poker became much better for me because, as we discussed, it was analog in a digital world, and it did provide me a bit of a, 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 bit of a recreational escape from my problems. The other thing I did is I moved down. So I have played online, just not really publicly, but I really moved down when I did it, and I did it more for fun, and I expected the money to be gone. And that made me really enjoy it a little bit more. I, I, I didn't make a ton of money, but I, I, I started going, oh, I'm seeing this, and I say, oh, people are doing this. This is fun. And uh, because in my mind, it was, you know, I was playing 25 NL heads up and stuff like that. It was, it was good, though. I started, oh, okay, this is kind of fun. It wasn't stressful. It was poker is becoming more of a game again when you think about it as a game your creativity gets a little higher but on that on that note if you are going to start playing your regular games again which should be your goal you you need to really reevaluate your game and if you feel uneasy about anything just don't do it because if you make a mistake and then you lose, at this point, your frustrations will compound on top of each other. And this downswing is just going to extend itself with any form of gambling. If you cannot stand to lose, you shouldn't be doing it. And this goes for... And this doesn't... It, it, this can go throughout the month. It can go throughout the year. Many people go... Well, I'm okay with losing $200 because that's a, that's a good night out of sushi with everybody. And uh, this is recreation to me. But if, 200, if you're at the casino 20 nights a week, and are, are you comfortable losing four, I mean, 20 nights a week, 20 nights a month? Are you comfortable losing $4,000 in a month? If the answer is no, then $200 a night is not really your limit. And this is what makes online poker so wonderful is you can play really small stakes games and there's no shame in that. I uh to get out of my downswings, I used to play thirty dollar Sidengos and that was all I played. 
And people would even come into the chat and go, what are you doing here? And I, I'm doing my job. I'm learning again. I'm re- I, many people disagree with me on this. I will never, ever change my view. Moving down makes the game fun. It makes it a little less stressful. But make sure you're getting back to basics. Don't, don't just fire willy-nilly. That, that, that kind of compounds your problems. Also, do, uh, don't be afraid to go through your database. Many guys who come to my lessons, the first thing we do is a database. And I hear a lot of people going, uh, I, I go, what do, you, what do you think your leaks are? When I have jacks and they have a seven, they hit the ace. That's my leak, and I, I go okay, and uh, I pull up their database and I go, you never def- you raise sixty percent of the hands on the button, just pretty much whenever anybody limps, whenever it's folded to you, you're even opening down to two three suited and stuff like that, and you're not. Some of these guys are really high-stakes players. And I go, do you, do you think people can't outplay you when you play three high? Do, do you not think that's a little entitled? And uh, I, I go, try this. Just raise this 22.5% range from the button. Boom. We start another 10 big blinds per 100 on their button. Or they never defend the big blind. So they're losing 60 big blinds per 100 out of the big blind and I say what, why don't you when the guy just never double barrels why don't you just call when he makes it 2x and just if you hit a pair call and if he double barrels just fold now we shave 10 big blinds off there and if you keep adding these things you'll notice the variance starts going away and but you gotta focus on everybody wants to focus on what's fun which is I want to open jack 8 suited from under the gun because I don't like folding not much money to be made from early position because you're usually out of position. A lot of money to be made on the button. Why don't you focus on that? You, you're kind of forced to play in the big blind. Why don't you focus on that? And doing some studying away from the game is really good. But I do want to emphasize here there is a form of procrastination where you just study all day. Study. I, I'm doing air quotes as if you guys can see it. Uh, there can be there, there's there's a lot of guys I find this that call themselves entrepreneurs who they're just reading books all day. And I used to be one of these people too. I don't mean to sound judgmental, but for years I just read books about business or self help or nonfiction for three four hours a day, telling myself, oh this. This is going to help me. And I just wasn't remembering much of anything. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's helped me, but not as much, not enough to justify three, four hours a day. Yeah. I really cut, cut back how much time I spend reading now. But I, I, I carry with me little, I try to read very important books or I try to read Blinkist if I'm previewing a book. And it, that's essentially Cliff Notes. It gives you a very short version of the book. And if I find one paragraph that really resonates with me, I carry that paragraph with me the whole day. And I try to think of how that applies. And that's how I'd go with poker as well, is just one concept at a time. And 
if, if you do want professional help, this is what I do, is I get people out of downswings. We can help make a plan for you. And on that note, I guess we should wrap up this lesson. I mean, yeah. this, uh, this, this podcast. Yeah, well, it's a lesson as well. It is a, a lesson, lesson yes, sir. Yeah, it's a lesson for everyone. And for ourselves as well. We always learn something after Yes, that. sir. Uh, no, actually, you might learn this, or if you've not heard this, you just remind me that blinkest thing you said. I don't know what that is, but you told me what it is there. It's essentially cliff notes of a book. I read, I think it was Phil Lapp tweeted, or Jennifer Pilly tweeted that Phil Lapp does it and someone else does it. Listen to audiobooks on like four times speed or something. <laughs> it's like, and you can do wow. the whole book quicker, but you take it in and you take in all the information still just the same. It was, I can't remember what speed it was, but people were like, yeah, I do that with YouTube videos and everything and listen to them. And I was like, wow, you know, like, got to try that and see if it, see if it works, you know. But I, I get you on the non-fiction reading for years. I did it with the trade, and, you know, with the stocks and shares and stuff. And then I was like, I'm reading all this stuff and buying these books, but I've not bought stocks and shares since, like, uni, you know, at the time. You know, like, when I was back then. And I was like, right, i got to get back in the game. You know, it's there, like you say, there comes a point in applying it to poker where you got to go out and play. Yes, sir. There, there has to be a time where the rubber meets the road. There ha- that's our that's our phrase today. <laughs> well, yeah, there has to be. There has to be a time you do critical thinking. You can't passively take things in. We all know when we're passively doing anything. And yeah, okay, I really do have to run, guys. Yeah. Okay, Alex. Uh, how can people get in touch with you for help with downswings, private coaching? analysis of their database and uh, when they want to put the when the rubber hits the road um, how do they get in touch with you if you guys want to talk to me about private coaching write me at alex at pokerhedrush.com just tell me what you're trying to do what you're trying to fix I, I, I can talk to you personally and we can figure it out uh, sign up for my newsletter at pokerhedrush.com and you can tweet me at the assassinato if you have a really short question okay and thanks for listening, guys. Keep your questions coming in for Alex uh, for next week's show or a show after that, as there is quite a few in just now. Questions at oneouter.com, and we will get them read out and answered on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Alex, thanks for your time again. We've done a doubleheader today. Until next week, see you then. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner-take-all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.